Good morning. And good morning to our viewers online as well. So one of the shows uh, my wife and I like to watch, we've watched before, is Dancing with the Stars. If you've not seen it before, uh, Dancing with the Stars is a TV show where a celebrity is paired with a professional ballroom dance partner. Uh, and then they train them and they compete in front of a studio audience in a dance competition. And then the couples are judged by a panel of experts and by viewers at home. And then each week, uh, one couple is eliminated. This show has become very popular. I think they're coming up on season 30 this fall. So I don't know much about ballroom dancing personally, uh, but I do know this. In Dancing with the Stars, the professional dancer has to take the lead. It's interesting that Paul in our passage today uh, uses the language of dance to describe what our lives should look like uh, when he says, keep in step with the Spirit. So, recap, Galatians 5, uh, 16 through 25. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So to grow spiritually, to become more like Christ, uh, we enter into a dance of grace and we allow the Holy Spirit to lead. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, so all of us can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So what does that look like, like practically? Like many churches don't look at it like a dance of grace being led by the Holy Spirit. They tend to look at it as a body of knowledge uh, that remains to be learned. They tend to focus primarily on information. But discipleship, becoming more like Christ, is about transformation. And that transformation doesn't just happen as we learn about God, but it happens as we encounter God himself. Um, when we learn to hear from God himself. And when we do that in the context of a community of grace. Right? So the primary initiator of that transformation is God himself. Certainly learning about God is important. Learning who we are in Christ is important. We already talked about that in this series. But it is in experiencing his presence. It is in experiencing his love. It is learning to follow his lead in our lives that we are changed. So in a dance, one partner leads and the other partner follows. And in the dance of grace, the Holy Spirit leads but we have some part to play in it as well. So what does that look like? How do we dance the dance of grace following the Spirit's leading? How do we not fall back into legalism 
but we live out the gospel of grace keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. So here are some keys to doing that. I put these in your sermon notes. Um, here are some keys to how we can keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So number one, never lose your awe and wonder of God. Okay, God lives in us by his spirit, but he remains God Almighty. He is God, we are not. Okay, Isaiah 40, verses 12 through 14 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Think about the splendor of our Lord. He's definitely worthy of our praise, right? We should never lose our wonder of him. We should never ever, ever take him for granted. And the more we learn about who God is through his word and through our own experience, the more we grow in our awe of him. So that's number one. Number two, remember, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God himself is inside of you. So a couple of things with that. With both a sense of humility, but also a sense of boldness, we realize that the same almighty, powerful God lives in us by his spirit. He has given us his spirit, and he has made us one with him. Now, there are a lot of scriptures that describe this. I've got a, a few of them here. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you? And then 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. And then John 14, 16 says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So none of these scriptures uh, indicate that God somehow diluted his spirit to be able to dwell within us. Like none of them suggest that uh, since we are just humans, that somehow God divided his spirit or he gave us like just a portion of himself um, so that we can handle his, his living presence inside of us. So in the old covenant, only the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies um, behind the veil, right, where the presence of God dwelled. Uh, but when Jesus was crucified, that curtain was torn in two. So under the new covenant, the spirit of God no longer dwells in man-made temples, but he dwells within us. And if we are born again, then the Spirit of God lives in us, period. Okay, not a diluted version, not a smaller version, not a fractional version, 
but the very same Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. Now, it's important uh, to remember that we ourselves are not God, right? Even though God himself dwells within us, we are not God. We are not omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. We are not um, omnipresent, meaning everywhere, all at once. We are not omniscient, all-knowing. But the Holy Spirit is. He knows everything. He knows um, all those things that I mentioned. He is all of those things that I mentioned. And so he, he teaches us, he guides us, he reveals things to us as we seek him and as we yield to him. Even though we have God living within us, he didn't create us, you know, sometimes we get it askew. Um, he didn't create us to be little gods, right? That's one heresy that's out there. But we are created in his image. You are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ. So therefore, whatever he created you for, whatever he has called you to do, he will anoint you and he will empower you to do this through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will empower you to accomplish everything God created you for. So if God called you to be a husband or a wife or he called you to be a father or a mother, you can do so through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. If he has called you to lay hands on the sick or to speak prophetic words of life or to teach or to lead or to serve or whatever he calls you to do, you can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. So, interestingly, and we know this if we know Christ, right? The Holy Spirit is all-powerful, but he won't force himself on us. And although his power is available to us, that power won't have an impact on our lives unless we acknowledge his presence and we yield to his leading. So, here are a couple examples of that. Uh, when we feel weak physically, our first response can be to remember that the Spirit of God lives in us and we can depend on him for strength because he has promised that those who hope in him will renew their strength. Okay, Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Likewise, when fear comes and it attempts to hold us back in our life, instead of thinking about how impossible our situation is, we need to meditate on who God is. Remember that he didn't give us a spirit of fear, right? But of power, of love, and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So number three, key to keeping in step with the Holy Spirit is realize that you are joined in spirit with the triune God. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So 
1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 16 says, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So if you are a follower of Jesus, as I've said before, you are a child of God, and your born-again spirit is one with God who is the Holy Spirit. And one in the sense that you, that you are directly of God, and your born-again spirit can now operate in unity with the Holy Spirit. This means, literally, that you can have an intimate, ongoing relationship, communication with him, and his nature, his character, his attributes can flow without disruption from within because his spirit is yours, in your spirit, right? So our part to play in the dance is this. It is to accept him by faith, and it is to yield to his leading and learn the dance of grace with him. And see, we do that, he changes us literally from the inside out. His thoughts become our thoughts. His character becomes our character. We begin demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, not because we're trying to become more loving and joyful and peaceful and all that, um, but because they now flow from within. Um, they become who we are, not, not like putting on someone's ill-fitting clothing, but we become those things. Does that mean uh, that we're perfect? No. Does that mean we won't have troubles? No. I definitely have my days uh, where I'm not very loving. My wife will tell you that. Uh, but am I more loving and patient than I was when I came to Christ? Absolutely. Right? Plus something else to remember, um, and I can't stress this enough, we live in a world at war, and we have an enemy. We, we know who wins in the end. We also know the enemy is still doing damage to God's people until that day comes. Right? When we find ourselves in a dark place, with dark thoughts. We find we're under attack from the enemy. It's important to remind ourselves that we have the mind of Christ and our spirit is in union with the spirit of God. Okay. So number four, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, is this, renew your mind with the word of God. Okay, renewing our mind involves um, regularly reading God's word, meditating on God's word until it begins to saturate our thought life. Okay, the result is that we start to take off our way of thinking and acting and we put on God's ways. When we renew our mind, um, our thoughts, our wills, 
our actions, our emotions begin lining up with the Spirit of God. So when we're talking about the Word, uh, first off, we're not just talking about the Bible, we're talking about Jesus himself, right? John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the point there is, all Scripture is God-breathed. Okay. The Spirit of God is in his word. 2 Peter 1.21, Peter says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God's word is one with God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. My point is that the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, communicates with us through the scriptures, through his word. And if we don't have some kind of regular habit of reading God's word, our ability to hear from God um, really becomes diminished because that's one of the primary ways in which he speaks to us is through his word. He does this by teaching us, by illuminating for us the word as we're reading it. Um, he often will relate it personally to our own lives. Um, he will often bring scriptures to mind as we need them. And since, since this is one of the primary ways that the Holy Spirit guides us, and I know this is like a, kids tend to accept this statement that I'm about to say more than adults. Um, beginning to memorize scripture uh, is a very helpful practice to the believer. So when I, many of you know, I... Uh, was an opera singer before I was in ministry. One of the skills I had to develop was learning how to memorize, right? So, I mean, you're singing two to three hours in a foreign language, right? You have to learn how to memorize. And I did. And so for years, uh, since I've been in ministry, I've taught believers how to memorize. And... Uh, I've had many of them come back after, you know, years later, and they'll say, they'll say I don't remember what, much of what we studied together, uh, but I, I do have those scriptures still memorized that we worked on. And uh, I'm sure at some point uh, I will teach on that here, either a class or on the weekend. Um, but it does start, it begins with having a, developing some kind of regular habit of reading God's word. If the spirit leads us, if he guides us, if he directs us through the word of God, it's probably pretty important to have some kind of regular practice of reading God's word, right? So if you know me, um, you'll know that I'm all about baby steps. You may have heard me say that a number of times, baby steps, baby steps. Um, you can develop all kinds of uh, new habits and change in your life through baby steps, right? So even if you started literally with reading one verse a day, one verse, you know, you can set up these, these devotional things that send you an email so it like shows up in your inbox. And even if it was just one verse, um, well, let, let's say you were consistent in doing that every day, reading that one verse, okay? So you're trying to not 
conquer the mount, climb the mountain, you're trying to just build a new habit, right? So the important thing is consistency, not how much you read, okay? So one verse consistently for one week, okay? End of week, you're like, oh, I did it. Okay, so in week two, two verses, okay? And then you get through that whole week and uh, so on and so on. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God will absolutely use that. He will. And before you know it, you will have developed a new habit that will help you keep in step with the Spirit, okay? It will change your life. Um, if you remember a few weeks ago, I drew on the whiteboard that, you know, spiritual growth thing. You know, we're all at different places, okay? We are not here to judge one another, right? We're here to come alongside one another and help one another. I don't care if you've been a follower of Jesus for one day or for 50 years. Wherever you're at is where you're at, Right? And so we want to be honest with one another and encourage one another and help one another grow in our walk with Christ, right? So don't be embarrassed if you've been walking with the Lord 50 years and you like have never developed any kind of regular habit of reading scripture. That's okay. We're all here. We all are here to encourage and support one another, all right? So none of this like judgment stuff or any of that stuff. We all come alongside, I've shown, I've said this multiple times, we come alongside one another, we turn towards Jesus, and we just take little baby steps, okay? All right, number five, key to keeping in step with the Spirit is spending time in God's presence. There's probably nothing that will transform us more than being in the presence of God. So, like Moses, coming off the, mount, the mountain with his face glowing, we literally change the more we spend time with God. Okay? This can include, of course, reading the Bible, praying, worshiping, but it's not just singing to God. Uh, maybe, you know, you, you go outside, go for a walk, you pray, um, sometimes I'll go out and I'll have my headphones on and I'm listening to the Bible on audio or I'm listening to a worship song, that kind of stuff. Um, you can worship God through, through art, through dance, through acts of service, through generosity, through mentoring someone, through discipling someone. Um, you can worship through using the gifts of the Spirit. Um, you can worship through flash prayers. Ever heard of that? Uh, I got that idea from Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Discipline. Um, the idea is that you go throughout your day and when you encounter people, you just quickly lift them up in prayer. So to see someone is to pray for them. Flash prayers. These are all just ideas. You can probably come up with some ways of your own to be in the presence of God. But one of the things that happens over time is that we, as we spend more time in his presence, um, not only are we changing, 
but we are better able to discern what he is saying to us. Okay. Jesus said, he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So being able to discern where God is moving, like where the Spirit of God is moving and where he's leading is key. Otherwise, we just like come up with our own stuff and then we ask God to bless it, right? Spending time in God's presence is also key to tapping into his power and accomplishing anything of worth. In John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If you remember none of these steps other than this one, this is the most important. His presence is transformative. Okay? Number six, uh, being led by the Spirit is way better than being self-led. Okay? So, over time, as a follower of Jesus Christ, who has the Holy Spirit living within you, as you do these things, you will start to get a sense of, oh, that's the Lord. That's the Lord right there. Okay? You'll begin to discern his leading. Um, hearing God is not reserved for super Christians. Okay? The more time you spend in his presence, the clearer his leading and his voice becomes. So, several promises in scripture that show us how willing God is to speak to us. Here are a few. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. And then John 10, 4 and 5 says, His sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So he can speak, like I said, uh, by illuminating a Bible verse to you at the exact time that you need it. He can speak to you by dropping a word or a thought or a picture in your mind. Um, it can be an inward voice. It can be by sounding an alarm in your spirit or by giving you a sense of peace or a lack of peace um, or a hesitancy or a confident assurance. If you are a believer, you are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit inhabits your spirit and you are one with the Spirit of God. So God communicates with you by his Spirit through your spirit. So learning to trust and obey the voice of the Lord um, is a walk of faith. The Bible tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. 
The Holy Spirit absolutely wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. He wants to empower us. And the people I have met in my life who regularly hear from the Lord, they take God at his word that he will speak to them. They hunger for that. And they relentlessly pursue it. Number seven, um, this is key too. Give the Holy Spirit full access to every area of your life. Romans 8, 5 and 6 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So it's a wise person that, that uh, makes up their mind to give Holy Spirit act full access to every area of your life. Right? We want to yield to him. We want to allow his light to shine in all the little hidden crevices of our lives. He won't force himself on you. But as you open yourself up to him, he will begin to lead you, guide you, and direct you. Once the Holy Spirit brings something to light, right? He will do this. He'll bring some things to light. Um, it's important to listen to what he says and then do what he says. Um, if you're not sure that it is him, ask yourself this question. Does, does this thing I think Holy Spirit is saying to me line up with God's word. Um, like, knowing what I know about God, is this something he would ask me to do? Um, and the Holy Spirit doesn't just ask us to stop doing things. Sometimes, many times, he'll give us a nudge to start doing some things. So maybe it's loving on someone or encouraging them or blessing them. Maybe he, he nudges you to hold your tongue. Or maybe it's after the fact. And he nudges you to change the way you're speaking or the way you're acting um, to be more loving and less critical. I have had that happen to me so many times. For me, I'm the type of person who by nature errs on the side of truth matters more to me that, that tr the truth is heard and the lesson I've, the Holy Spirit and my wife have had to teach me over the years is uh, it doesn't matter as much if I have the truth if I hurt people by hitting them with it. Like literally this has been my journey because I could out-argue anybody. Um, and Holy Spirit will come behind me and say, look what you did, look what you did. And so um, it's really important that we start listening, listening to that. Sometimes it's something bigger, right? Like Holy Spirit is literally leading you to change jobs or to move or to start a ministry 
I'm telling you though, but when, it, when it's a big thing that he's asking you to do, at first we tend to be focused on all the things that we have to give up. But we realize that the blessings come after the obedience. Believe me, I know. Um, like what if God asks you to quit your job, sell your home, and move to a place you've never even heard of before? Like Fergus Falls. Like, what is that? Like, literally, I was like, where is this? And I had to look it up on Google Maps. Literally. But I'm telling you, as you give Holy Spirit access to every part of your life, and you, just, you decide that you want to be led by him and live no other way, life actually gets easier. And it gets clearer. Okay? You don't have to analyze everything. You don't have to weigh all the pros and cons. You don't have to think through all the what ifs. You just have to follow the signs of where the Holy Spirit is leading. It literally feels like this. Like, I've used this image before. Like, you're standing out in an open field. The, the, the image I've used before is like, it's, it's a foggy, misty field, but, but maybe the image I'll use this morning is, it's a smoky field. <laughs> right? You can relate to that. Okay, so out of the smoke <laughs> comes Jesus. <laughs> and he says, take my hand. And you take his hand. And together you walk into the smoke. You can't even see where you're going, right? But you have his hand. You know that he's not letting you go. You have a thousand questions. You're like, what if, what if, what about this, and what about this, and what about this? And he's like, just follow me. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. That's what that is. All right, number eight. Uh, this is a practical one. Declutter your mind. So think about where you spend most of your free time. Uh, on social media, watching the news, binging on Netflix. Um, and it would be legalistic of me to say to all of you, don't do those things. Okay? It would be hypocritical, too, because I do all of those things. Okay? Um, but there's a good general principle um, that we are a product of what we feed our minds. Also, it can be hard to sense the nudging of the Holy Spirit when he's drowned out by a steady stream of information and, it, and entertainment, right? It's a good general principle to work towards decluttering our mind from the noise of the world so that we can keep in step with the Spirit and we can hear his voice. Now, we're all different. Right? This is, again, this is not a legalistic thing. We all have different levels of tolerance. Um, and these are middle ground things, right? So we're not talking about breaking one of the Ten Commandments. I'm not talking about, like, you know, not killing somebody, that kind of thing. Um, I'm talking about these middle ground things. And so when it comes to these middle ground things, the Holy Spirit will convict you of some of them, and it's important to listen. You may get a sense uh, that he is leading you to limit some of these things in, in your life 
Or you might get the sense that he's asking you to completely remove them. If he is, it's important to listen. So as a good guiding principle, uh, here are a couple scriptures, Philippians 4.8 uh, and Colossians 3.1-2. So Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Okay, that's a practical one. Number nine um, is don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit, or in another translation, it's don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So what brings sorrow to the Holy Spirit? Sin brings sorrow to the Holy Spirit, especially uh, unrepentant sin, right? Where we just keep doing it over and over again. We have no remorse. We have no uh, repentance. So when the Holy Spirit nudges you and you get a sense that you're not supposed to be doing something, you want to listen to that. If you don't, if you keep ignoring those nudges, those nudges, uh, in my experience, become shouts, and then they eventually become like a two by four to the head, right? Um, and if we just keep ignoring them, uh, what it leads to is a hardened heart. So what follows having a hardened heart? These things follow having a hardened heart. Hopelessness, fear, worry, anxiety, the inability to have empathy, the inability to show love, um, cutting ourselves off from relationship with God. And all that leads to more sin and God eventually removing his provision his protection and his blessings. And, yeah, needless to say, uh, it is a dark path. And you do not want to develop a hardened heart. Okay? Ephesians 4 30 to 32 says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the spirit. We don't want to quench the spirit. We don't want to resist it. We don't want to suppress him. None of that. The more we do this, uh, the less we're able to hear him uh, and the less we're able to walk with him. So most of us, my, myself included, um, have been guilty of trying to see how far we can go in this gray zone, this middle area. 
I'm telling you, it is a dangerous, slippery slope. We don't want to do that. It's important to listen to those nudges of the Holy Spirit and do what he's telling you to do. Which leads to the last key, number 10, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, which is what to do when you've blown it. Okay, what do you do when you've blown it? We all will this side of heaven, right? At some point or another, we will blow it. And so we don't want to spend time wallowing in condemnation, letting the enemy accuse us, letting him condemn us. Um, Instead, be quick to ask the Lord for forgiveness, receive it, do what you need to do and what the Holy Spirit leads you to do, to repent, right? Repent, meaning you were going in one direction and now you're going in the opposite, right? Literally, that's repent, okay? Whatever you are doing, turn directions and go in the other way, all right? Now, often, it's more than just an act of will. Um, sometimes we need accountability. Sometimes we need structures in place uh, to prevent us from doing these things again. Sometimes we need to cut it off well before we get to the point of our sin. So we're not even tempted to do it again, right? Um, Sometimes we just need to remove ourselves entirely from that environment and from the people who are influencing us uh, to to commit that particular sin, right? 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And then 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So it's important to know that the Holy Spirit is neither condemner nor accuser. The devil does those things. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our advocate. He's our encourager. He's our helper. And when we blow it, he wants to help us out of it. Okay. As you yield to his correction, he'll encourage you and he will direct you back onto the right path. Ultimately, keeping in step with the Spirit is depending on the Spirit and not depending on ourselves. Like that, that's it right there. Depending on the Spirit and not depending on ourselves. Some of us realize this early on and we're the better for it. Um, Others of us think too highly of ourselves. Um, We think too highly of our strengths, our talents, our abilities, and we think too little of God's. And it can take God hitting us with a two-by-four before we realize, wow, I really need God I can't do anything without him. Like, I, I keep, I've tried over and over again, and I need him, right? Without him, I am a mess, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? Those, the, the people I have known who are the closest to the Lord were the people who are, like, at the, in the pit, they were at the end of themselves. Most, the poor, 
you know, people going through some worst tragedy in their lives, like there's, they know, they, they, they need God. Like if God doesn't show up, that's it, right? But those of us, you know, who've grown up for the most part with our needs taken care of, you know, um, and we've learned to take care of our own needs, you know, those are the people who struggle the most with this. It's fascinating, like for a year I spent, I spent um, leading a small group with people, homeless people in downtown Kansas City. And I would do that once a week and then I'd come back to the suburbs, the affluent, primarily Caucasian suburbs. And man, the hunger, the spiritual hunger was like night and day difference. I just started getting mad. I had to like calm down. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you people? Like these homeless people here are like so like experiencing the presence of God because they have nothing else. And then, and then you walk into, you know, your typical suburban, you know, deal and it's like, oh. And I tried, I had to check my heart because I was starting to become judgmental. And, and uh, so, but I, the principle that I learned is that I went down there to bring Jesus to the poor. I met Jesus in the poor. And I tried to bring him back with me to those who were poor but didn't know it. So that is the first step in the dance of grace. Um, that is learning to keep in step with the spirit. It is coming to the end of ourselves and living a life of dependency on the Holy Spirit. So there's a story of an old woman who lived in a remote valley many years ago. Um, she decided it was worth the cost and trouble to have electricity installed in her home. So several weeks after they installed it, the power company noticed that she barely used uh, any electricity. So a meter reader went to see what was going on. He asked the lady, uh, is there a problem? And she said, oh no, we're quite satisfied. Every night we turn on the electric lights to see how to light our lamps. So we can make the same mistake, right? Depending on the Holy Spirit to save us, but not to sustain us. You see the parallel? Okay, we, we turn to him to get us started, but then we continue on our own strength to keep in step with the Spirit means he directs, he leads, we obey, we follow, plug into his power and leave the switch on. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, first off, our salvation. We thank you that the temple is now torn in two. We no longer have to have priests make sacrifices in order for us to get right with you. 
Thank you that you are the high priest who made the ultimate sacrifice. And because of that, we are now the temple in which the Holy Spirit resides. The full Holy Spirit, not some portion or smaller version, but the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. Lord, help us to keep in step with your Spirit. Help us to dance the dance of grace, following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't let us descend into legalism, but help us to walk in freedom as free sons and daughters of the living God. We're changing to look more and more like our Father from the inside out. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.